are now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. A week of the sermon series Engage. It was meant to be a one sermon and, and it's gone on and on, but that's okay, right? I think it's good. I think God wants us to really pay attention to what he's saying to us. Um, I read an article this week called The Ultimate Guide to Engaging People. And the article confirmed that there are certain attributes that motivate people to engage with others. And the article actually highlighted qualities that we consider either valuable, attractive, or positive, causing us to engage with others. So what are these qualities? Well, I'm glad you're asking me. (laughs) Let me tell you what these qualities are. And I think they're really essential to engaging. They are confidence, humility, acceptance, genuineness, and I like this one, realistic transparency. The article focused on the significance of engaging people not for what they can give us or what they can do for us, but simply because we want it to add value to their lives. It's a real mindset when we engage with others. People will engage with us when they believe we truly want to learn about them, we want to invest time in understanding them, we want to understand their story, their challenges in life, their pain, what makes them unique. And people are more apt to engage with us when they know that we actually have a place for them in our lives and in our hearts. Author and speaker Dennis Waitley once said this. He said, the greatest communication skill is paying value to somebody else. I like that. So we're, what are we doing? Let's look over here this year. We are engaging as a community so we can welcome others into community. That's what this has been about for the last few weeks. And I want to take you through the, uh, an acronym again. And uh, just quickly, uh, we talked about encouraging new, a new generation about God's eternal purpose. And today I want to go over God's eternal purpose. So let, let's look at God's, the word God's. When you look at Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So they were predestined, they were already designed, and he is waiting for you and I to participate in his workmanship within our lives. When we receive the gift of salvation, we become an awesome reflection of our creator God. And we reveal his remarkable and unique workmanship. And he is the grandmaster of all he creates. And his workmanship within our lives is marvelous. You are a marvelous work of art. That's what you are. Now some of you are looking at me cross-eyed saying, that's not me, because I don't feel that way. It's not about what you feel, it's who you are. It's about who you are. It's just how he created you. 
When you look at that word, God's workmanship, those two words, that the word workmanship actually is describing our uniqueness in God. And it's from the Greek word poema, poema. And it actually literally means a work of art. And its root is found in the English word poem. God's written a poem about you being an art, uh, a, a work of art. And like an artist who takes scrap metal and turns it into an amazing sculpture, God takes our life of brokenness, our life of rebellion, our life far from him, he touches it by the precious name of Jesus, he touches it by the precious blood of Jesus, he touches it because of the forgiveness of our sins, and through the redemptive power of Christ, we are then transformed into a masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say, yo, I'm a masterpiece. And I watched all the proper ones say, I'm a masterpiece. I didn't hear the yo too much. I want to try it again. Yo, I'm a masterpiece. Did you know that, Greta? Yo, I'm a masterpiece. Max Lucada really deals with the uniqueness of individuals who come to Christ. He had a book, uh, he has a book that's called Cure for the Common Life. And in this book, he wants to deal with the uniqueness and the masterpiece we've become in Christ. And he says, Da Vinci painted one Mona Lisa. He says, Beethoven created one-fifth symphony. And God could only make one version of you. That's all he planned, one version of you. And Lucata says, you're it. You're the only one you, uh, there, you're the only one there is. And if, you don't, if we don't get you, we don't get you. You're the only shot we have at you, he says. You can do something no one else can do in a fashion that no one else can do it. You are more than a coincidence of chromosomes and heredity, more than just an assemblage of somebody else's lineage. You are uniquely made. Lucado, Lucado ends his comments with these powerful words. You can be anything you want to be. Can you be anything you want to be? I don't think so, he says. But you can be everything God wants you to be. I think that in our society, you hear that often. You can be anything you want to be. And Lucado uh, saying, no, you can't. But in God, you can be everything he wants you to be. Absolutely. I like what Rick Warren says. He says, only you can be you. God designed each of us so there's, uh, there would be no duplication in the world. No one has the exact same mix of factors that make you unique. And I know that to be true. I, have, uh, I go to two places to uh, get my hair cut. And in both of those places, there's a set of twins. 
One of the twins works at one place I go, and the other works at the other. But one of them doesn't cut hair well. <laughs> and sometimes when I'm in a rush, I'll rush to one of them, and I'm looking, and I said, now, are you the one who normally works here, or are you the one who switches in between? Are you your... Are you the one who always works here? Or is your sis, are you the sister of the other one over there? And she looks at me like, you are one confused dude. But I don't want to say you don't cut hair well. You know what I mean? And she said, no, I'm the one who normally works here. I said, look at me. Because her eyes are different. It's the only way I can tell them apart. Her eyes are smaller and her sister's eyes are really big but they're identical twins. You really couldn't tell unless you looked at their eyes. And so I'm sure their parents know them, you know, right and left for sure. But so I said, so you actually cut hair here? Yes. I walked out the door because I knew she would butcher my hair. It's the wrong one. I said, I'm sorry, I've got the wrong place. So, um, oh, oh yeah. So even if you are an identical twin, my point is, you're different. You're very different. And even though you may have the same parents, you belong to the same family, you were all raised in the same atmosphere and environment, you went to the same schools until you went off to college, you're all different people. And you know that. And the thing is, do we believe that God has made us a masterpiece? Most of us don't like that term because we feel there's a defect in us. And so the moment we captivate that defect and we look at the defect more than we do the masterpiece, we actually don't appreciate the fact that we are a masterpiece. And God wants us to appreciate how he created us. And I want to help provide the tools for you to discover that. And each year we do either a seminar or a small group for SHAPE. And as you noticed this morning, we had uh, in the announcements, we have a SHAPE seminar coming up so that you can discover how God created you to be uniquely his masterpiece. We're also going to have a ministry fair this year so that people can discover where they want to serve, what, what suits them, and how... The, their own spiritual gifts, their heart's passion, their abilities, their own personalities, and their life experiences can help them minister uh, in the body of Christ. And so we want to encourage that this year. So we've looked at encouraging new generations about God's, being God's workmanship. But the last part is really important to understand, and that is God's eternal purpose. And it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11, it says, His intent was that now, listen, through the church, us, through his body, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking of two people in the Bible. I was thinking of Daniel in actually Daniel chapter 10. 
And in Daniel chapter 10, and I had shared a little bit about this when we were praying, is he had been praying and fasting for several weeks. And he was praying and fasting for several weeks because of the spiritual condition of the people of Israel. He was concerned. And he wanted to make sure that the people were living righteously and holy and that God would turn his wrath away and extend mercy on the Israelites because they weren't, they weren't living according to God's commandments and what God had expected. So he had been praying and fasting, and there was a war in the heavenlies. And this is the part I want you to understand, that we do have an eternal purpose, and God has an eternal uh, purpose for each of our lives. And there is an impact that we're to have spiritually. But we have to understand that sometimes that purpose can be thwarted, redirected, and shut down. That is the reality of truth. But that doesn't mean that that still will not come to fruition. And we learn from Daniel that through his persistence, through his faith, through his belief, that he was, when the angel of the Lord came to tell him that God had definitely heard the first day he began to pray his heart's concern. I'm sure that did that guy a lot of good to hear that I was on target right away. And though we had to fast and pray for another three weeks, there was this warfare going on. I know that many times that I pray something, I know the Lord led me to pray for it. Whether it be a person, whether it be a situation, whether it be I'm woken up at night and I'll be get, somebody will be on my heart. I'm like, oh, okay, I know what this is about. I need to pray. Or somebody's come and shared something with me that they need prayer for. And I'll begin to pray. And it's still not happened. Well, what we have to guard is giving in to doubt, giving in to double-mindedness about the eternal purpose of God in our lives. And as soon as the angel of the Lord came to him, he said, listen, he knew him by name. Daniel, I was trying to get to you 20-something days ago. And there's this battle going on in the spirit realm, and we had to deal with the prince of Persia. So there is a specific demonic force assigned to the eternal purpose, I believe, in our lives. And we have got to be spiritually alert. We have got to be persevering. And we have got to pray that we don't give in to doubt and double-mindedness. Now, we know that Daniel did not. He wasn't double-minded because he was staying the course. And he was activating his faith when the angel of the, of the Lord actually visited him. Then there's another. So that's Daniel. And so we see that for Daniel, the eternal purpose was stopped. There was a battle going on. And then we see another person called Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Ephesians. And here he is in Acts chapter 16. And he is wanting to go to Asia. And it says that the Holy Spirit forbid him to go. Ooh. Then he wanted to go to Pergia. And it says... Jesus Christ 
through the Spirit. That was interesting. The first time it says the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him to go. And then it says that Jesus Christ through the Spirit wouldn't let him go. I'm like, that's interesting. And so there is a time that, and then it says, the Lord gave him a vision. Father God gave him a vision. So we see the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, and the Father working together, but they're prohibiting something. They weren't prohibiting the eternal purpose of God. They were redirecting it so he'd land in the right place. And what happens is he gets a vision from God Almighty, and the vision is of a man standing on the seashores in Macedonia, crying for him to come over to Macedonia. And so he was prohibited twice from going to Asia, and then he gets the vision, and God sends him to Macedonia. Now, what's important about that is that at the time that that vision came, there was also another battle going on. Interesting. And the battle was actually between him and Barnabas. It was an interpersonal battle. So there's, a, there's the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, Father God, prohibiting. But then Barnabas is saying, well, I want to take John, Paul with, uh, John Mark with us. Paul's like, no way. He, was, he, he, he wasn't faithful, and he, he didn't stay true to the course, and he, he wouldn't stay focused. And he said, well, I'm going to take him then, and I'm going in this direction. And then Paul said, okay, you can take him. I'm taking Silas, and I'm taking young Timothy. And they all went over to Macedonia together. When they arrive in Macedonia, this is a real key, because I'm going to show you something. I want you to listen up. When they got to Macedonia, the eternal purposes of God explode. Why? There was a prayer meeting going on. Lydia was there, and she was a praying woman. And, and, and I mean, Priscilla, she was a praying woman. Priscilla, excuse me. She was there, and she was praying in a town meeting when they had arrived, and she invites them to her home. And that's where they planted their church, was in Priscilla's home. And so you see a trajectory of our lives in the divine, eternal purposes of God. Sometimes they're redirected by the enemy. Sometimes they're spiritually and divinely redirected for a greater purpose of the Lord. And we have to find it in our hearts and in our spirits of how do I discern this? How do I know this is of God, and how do I know to move in this? Well, if you keep hitting a brick wall, that's a good indication. <laughs> that's a good indication that either the enemy, the Lord, or yourself, that you're disrupting it, or that God is using your wisdom and your discernment to actually redirect you. It's, it's amazing when you look at the unfolding of this one scripture on the eternal purposes of God. And there's always, it says what? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
so important to understand that there are times when it's a demonic manifestation and you have to stay your ground, stay focused like Daniel. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, or Father God. And then sometimes God's just put it in you to know that, no, we're, I'm not supposed to head in this direction. I'm going in this and I'm taking these people with me. Can you put up on the wall uh, the circles, please? Put up the circles. There we go. So when you look at Paul's life, I'm going to do this really quick. You see that there's an eternal impact. So he has actually received from the spirit realm a vision from a, our Father in heaven. He gives him the vision. He begins to immediately put the plans together to make the trip over to Macedonia. And he gets the right people to go with him. And so he's got his friends up in that corner. He's got his co-workers. He's going to take Silas with him and Timothy. And he gets into Macedonia, and right away he makes, he makes friends and he meets neighbors. And we all have this circle of impact. All of us have family members. All of us have friends, co-workers, and neighbors. And they need to be invited to experience God's design of community. That's what he wants for you and for me. He's committed to his eternal purposes in your life and my life so that others can experience eternal purpose themselves. They need to be saved. Their lives need to glorify God. And they've been called to serve as well. And so everybody is meant to have this eternal purpose so they can have an eternal impact just as God gave Paul to have. Black, uh, Blackaby states in his book, Experiencing God, he says this, Blackaby, you never find God asking persons to dream up what they want to do for him. He adds, to, to live a God-centered life you must focus your life on God's purposes, not your own plans. You must seek to see from God's perspective rather than from your own distorted human perspective. When God starts to do something in the world, he takes the initiative to come and talk to somebody. What did he do this morning in service? He talked to somebody. He's talking to us. He's trying to motivate us in his eternal purposes so we can have eternal impact. He's not interested in just having a service. He's not interested who's on the platform doing what and this and that. He's saying, who is the person that I'm going to use today? Today. Who's going to be used today? And will they allow me to use them? And will they stay the course? And will they not lose focus even when the enemy comes to thwart my plan? Will they stay in the zone seeking first my heart my desire, my will to liberate a people. 
Rochester needs to be liberated for Jesus Christ. Or why have we been praying for Rochester? Right? Why? Because it's a religious thing to do on Sunday? No. Because the enemy is thwarting the eternal purposes of God in people's lives. There are people to be saved, delivered, free, healed, to be commissioned to the greater purposes of God. And we get to participate in that, well, eternal purpose and have eternal impact. That's it. That's it. Welcome to engaging as a community so we can welcome others into community in 2023. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. And boy, it has been so rich. You have spoken to us. You have encouraged us. You have impacted us. And we want to be a part of your eternal purposes. We thank you for the design that you have on our lives to have an eternal impact in the days to come. Lord, we are going to encourage new generations about God's eternal purposes. We ask, Lord God, that you will help us not to be so frustrated, not to be so anxious, not to be so double-minded, not to give up hope, but I pray today for a spirit of perseverance and patience as we partner with you, as we participate in changing people's lives for eternity. We bless you and we thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.